why so much about the dust of their lotus feet? It's again, it's again about humility. You know, I have a little room here, and outside each of the doors, I have a mat. And inside the door, the one of the doors, I also have a mat. And if anybody comes in my room, I want them to wipe their feet. It's, it's my room. I want it to be clean. I don't want somebody bringing the dust to their feet in my room. I certainly wouldn't take the dust of their feet and put it on my head. So it, it's it's humble, and it's meant literally to literally take the dust that's touching the feet of the devotees and put it on one's head, and also figuratively, both that I become in the mood of a servant rather than a master. We can't get what we want by being the master. We're not the masters. We can master our service. <laughs> But we're not the masters. Our prime root of envy is wanting to be the controller. Because everything else that the Lord has, we have, really. I mean, minutely, but we have it. I mean, we're even tiny little controllers, but we we want this overall control. And this is giving up wanting to be the controller, wanting to be a servant. You know, the, the water that washes their feet, again, you know, in ancient times when people traveled mostly by walking, the first thing you did with a guest was you, and they traveled barefoot or, or with sandals, you know, in the tropical places. First thing you did was you washed their feet when they came. But would you drink that water? I mean, who's going to throw it away? But with the devotees. Of course, also another point is that anything that, that, that touches the body of a great devotee, uh, great devotees have a spiritualized I'm gonna, body. I'm gonna, gonna take everything out of the trunk and see if there's something I missed. I, 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 I literally did that at the outset. Somebody needs to mute their mic there. Yeah. Is that all right? Nice, thank you. Anybody else? Could you please elaborate a little bit more on the code of Padasevanam? I've never heard this before. This is quite astonishing. Oh, well, it's, it's actually throughout Srila Prabhupada's books in the Bhagavatam. And uh, Padasevanam is always identified because, you know, if you have service to the lotus feet, how is that different from Archanam? You ever thought about that? Archanam is service to the deity, and of course, when you're serving the deity, you're bathing their lotus feet and decorating their lotus feet. So why would Padasevanam be listed as a separate item of bhakti? So what it's referring to is tadiya. It's referring to anything that's associated with the Lord. His dom, his devotees, etc. Service to them. This is if you look, it's in all of any time the Acharyas speak about the nine processes of devotion. That's what they talk about in terms of Padasevan. Of course, they give the example of Lakshmi, who is quite literally uh, sitting at the lotus feet of the Lord's form and massaging his lotus feet. So it can mean that as well. It's not that it doesn't mean that, but it means who is ever at the Lord's lotus feet serving them. Anybody else? Is there something associated when someone touches your feet? Sometimes uh, an Indian guest will come. They want to. They want to touch your feet. 
it's like uh, kind of scares me. I've, I've heard, I don't remember reading, it's probably there, but I just can't recall, but um, that you accept some karma or some reactions if someone touches your feet. Right, that's what Shiva Prabhupada would say, and Prabhupada was basically would he would attempt at least only to allow initiated disciples to touch his feet. Didn't always work out that way, but that was... He would often say, don't let anyone touch my feet unless they're initiated devotees who are strictly following. Could you say a few words about our um, grand spiritual master? Ah, because today is Bhakti Sananta Saraswati's Disappearance Day, and Krishna willing, I plan to spend spend the day uh, writing about him, especially in regards to his Gaudiya logo and his way of teaching Raghunuga Bhakti. So I guess because um, that's on my mind. Oh, this is funny. Speaking of which, my phone is, is blinking because I get ca- um, the Vaishnava festival days on my calendar. It says, time to leave now for Bhakti Siddhanta's disappearance today. <laughs> it gets the time that it, that it starts today. So I think I'll talk about just this particular aspect of Bhakti Siddhanta because that's what I'm absorbed in right now for working on um, on Shiksha. And that is that until the time of Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati, within the followers of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, uh, first of all, the emphasis was always on the Ragamard, on Raghunuga Bhakti. It says in Chaitanya Charitamrita, very close to the beginning, that Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu came to teach Raghunuga Bhakti, that Krishna says that Vaidhi Bhakti doesn't satisfy him, and that Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu sought to teach particularly entrance into the four higher rasas of Vrindavan. Bhaktivinoda Thakur in his Jarva Dharma explains that Swarudhamadar Goswami, who was none other than Lalita Devi, taught the details of the path of the Ragamart, uh, specifically to Bhakeshwar Pandit and Raghunathas Goswami. And the way Bhaktivinoda Thakur puts it is that he taught the external path to Bhakeshwar Pandit and the internal path to Raghunathas Goswami. To Bhakeshwar Pandit, the external path came down to someone named Vanachandra Goswami, Janachandra Goswami put together a padati, or an instruction manual, um, called, I think, Gorgovindas Smarana Padati, I believe that's the name of it. And it gives very intricate rules to follow, much like deity worship. And I haven't been able to find anything absolutely authoritative about why Janachandra Goswami's method is called the external path, uh, but the most a convincing explanation I've heard is because it deals with a lot of things to do and say. Adana Chandra Goswami gives extensive uh, mantras to meditate on and uh, deity worship practices to do. And indeed we find that Bhaktivinoda Kaur in his commentary on Raghunathas Goswami's Parati for Raghunathas Bhakti uh, quotes a lot of meditative prayers on the personalities mentioned in a similar way to what Danachandra Goswami did. Danachandra Goswami's method also included what I'm sure most of us are familiar with as Siddha Pranali. And that is that when a guru, whether a Diksha or a Shiksha guru, has determined that a natural inclination has awakened within a person uh, for one of the rasas, then 
that uh, that guru gives one some very specific meditations on a swarup as a template and says, all right, like in Jaiva Dharma, the guru gives one person a, a gopa template and another person a gopi template. So this is for people whose full realization of their eternal form has not yet awakened, but their disposition for a particular uh, a particular rasa has awakened. And this was according to Dhanachandra Goswami. All right, simultaneously we have the inner path by Raghunath Das Goswami. Raghunath Das Goswami does not at all advise anything like Siddha Pranali, nor is he advising these long meditations on these various mantras and so forth. What Raghunath Das Goswami is advising, and this is why I believe it's called the inner path, is mostly a disposition of humility and judging and deep introspection all accomplished through the chanting of the holy name, the help of a guru. He starts off with having love for the holy name, love for the Gayatri mantras, love for the land of Vrindavan, uh, love for the guru, for the Kanista Majjana Uttama devotees, uh, and so forth. That's what you start out with, following then Sri Chaitanya as Krishna, a guru as a friend of God, uh, giving up materialistic activities and following Sarudamada and Rupa Goswami following Rupa Goswami's principles and the Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, etc. But it's very much a path of inner introspection, inner honesty, inner begging for mercy, uh, all accomplished by following the Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu. It's not a, a separate kind of meditation as Dhanachandra Goswami gave, but rather understanding that the path Rupa Goswami gave is one of inner purification and inner reflection and inner meditation. So until the time of Bhakti Siddhanta Sarasvati, both paths were being propounded. And we find that Bhakti Vinod Thakur, who wrote a commentary to Manashiksha, uh, propounded both paths and that he accepted Siddha Pranali. However, by the time of Bhakti Siddhanta, the outer path of Janatanga Goswami had become particularly perverted. In, in my uh, useless opinion. It's almost impossible to pervert Raghunath Das Goswami's inner path. You just, you just can't pervert it because he's dealing with honest introspection. It's not sit down and chant this mantra, sit down and do this ritual, sit down and do this kind of meditation. I mean, I've met people at Radhikram who do the principles of Dhanachandra Goswami and they, they'll have you know a whole map of the uppercut lila at Radhakund and Shamakund, and they meditate on the Astakalila lila taking place at the different lila stones at different times of the day and so forth. But Raghunath Goswami, he's telling you, look in your heart, are you a hypocrite? You know, are, are you claiming, are you, are, first of all, he says, what do you talk about? What do you talk about? What do you listen to? Then he says, all right, let's say now you only talk about Krishna, only listen to Krishna, but are you secretly doing something sinful? Are you secretly the pet dog of lust? All right, let's say you're not doing anything grossly sinful, but, but so you're not a hypocrite. So are you deceitful? Are you using Krishna? Are you in the name of bhakti getting things for your sense gratification? Are you offering pizza because you want to eat it? Are you preaching to the opposite sex because you want to enjoy their adoration? Are you skipping the temple program to go to a rich man's household or give you money? Are you deceitful? All right, when you get that out of your heart, then he says, all right, do you want honor 
for your purity. Now that you have no more deceit and you have no more secret sins and you only talk about Krishna, do you want to be recognized? You know, are you willing to bathe in love or do you want to bathe in donkey? How, how do you provoke that? You can't. It's, it's internal. It deals with honesty. It deals with introspection. It, there's, there's no way you can twist it to something else. And when Bhakti Siddhanta came, he saw that the external path had been severely twisted. It had been made something cheap. I am your Siddhapranali guru. Come to me and I will give you, you know, manjari root. I mean, one way you could tell it was twisted was everybody was getting the same meditation. You know, in Jai Vidharma, Bhakti Vinodakura talks about one person's meditating on being a cowherd boy, another person's meditating on being a gopi. With these false set of pranali gurus, everybody was a manjari gopi. Everybody was the same age, everybody had the same color cloth, everybody had, you know, Chandra Goswami does give a meditation like that, but it's a template, it's a sample, it's an example. It's not something meant to be copy-pasted to everyone. And then Chandra Goswami's uh, was, was understanding that this was a manual to be used by very qualified gurus and by very qualified disciples. So the first way you can tell a cheating is it's a one-size-fits-all, which is the opposite, opposite of Agodhya Siddhanta. Agodhya Siddhanta is for all individuals. Another way you could tell it's cheating is that it would be given to people on day one. Okay, you're my disciple, here you go, here's your manjari suruk, here's your meditation. These people haven't even had an awakening. Their, their raga hadn't even awakened. They were being put on the path of raga without being awakened to raga. So the disciples weren't qualified. And the way that the Siddha Pranali guru would be um, qualified is the Siddha Pranali guru could actually see the predilection of the disciple, at least to some extent. So the disciple could see their own inclination, the guru could see their own inclination, they waited until both were qualified and they gave somebody some specific meditation according to their individuality. So as often is done when something is perverted, if it's perverted so badly and the perversion is so pervasive, instead of teaching people to do it right, you just tell people to stop doing it at all. And we find a similar thing has happened, you know, in the Bible where people just stopped worshipping deities altogether because they were offensive or the name of God was hidden because people were saying it improperly. You know, in the Bible, in the Old Hebrew, it's written without vowels. Imagine just words that are consonants with no vowels. You've got to know the vowels. Hebrew can be written with vowels, but in the Old Testament it's written without vowels. So the name of God is written as just consonants, four consonants. No one knows how to pronounce it. You know, some people have guessed that it's pronounced Jehovah, but that's a guess. There could be any number of vowels there. And it got to the point, you know, the people used to chant the name of God, then it was only the priests who were allowed to chant it, then it was only the high priest, then it was only the high priest once a year, then it was only the high priest once a year in the secret room, and gradually how to pronounce the name became forgotten. So many times, just like even Asanga Yoga, you know, because people aren't qualified to do Asanga Yoga, There's, it's hardly taught anymore. A lot of the Vedas have information, you know, how to build Vimanas and stuff, but there's an oral tradition that goes along with it. You can't just have the written tradition 
You also have to have that someone's mic in India. You also have to have the oral tradition. And if the gurus see that nobody's qualified, they stop the oral tradition, and then people can't do anything with just the written tradition. So Bhakti Sananda Saraswati stopped. He said no more of doing the external path of Ragmark. Of course, it's still going on. And there was a big uh, hoopla, a big controversy between the Radhakrishnan Babaji's who were making a good living and getting lots of honor and prestige. Uh, obviously, some of them are, bo- are bona fide. I'm not saying anyone who's a Radhakrishnan Babaji is bogus. That's not correct at all. But some of these uh, bogus Radhakrishnan Babaji's who were giving this uh, perversion of the Chandra Goswami's path. And Bhakti Chakur explains very clearly that if you, if you get this too early or if you get the wrong meditation, it's just an obstacle. You know, if you're really a cowherd boy and you're meditating on being a manjari, it's going to be very hard for your cowherd boy manifestation to surface because you won't accept it. You'll say, no, no, that's not right, I'm a manjari gopi, or vice versa, you know. It's not going to surface. Also, if you're meditating before you're, uh, you're ready, you're going to put all sorts of material misconceptions into your meditation, and you may end up uh, just simply uh, falling into, into materialistic life, as many of these people do. They end up engaging in illicit sex in the name of, of worship. Very common. So Bhakti Santa said, stop it. Then he was accused, well, you're not teaching Ragmarg anymore. You're not teaching Ragmarg. They forgot. They forgot that there's two different marks. We have the word here, mark. There's two different rug marks. And when we say two different, uh, in one sense, because it's raga, it, there's as many paths as there are people in one sense. In one sense, it's, it's very individual. Uh, no two people, and then even inviting Mark are going to do exactly the same thing. Uh, but they forgot that there was another main path. They forgot. Said there are, you know, it's just so common, isn't it? Our way is the only way. Our way is the only way. Hmm. So, if one wants to see how Bhakti Sananda Saraswati, um, can can you share my screen, Ramananda Prabhu? Is that possible? Yeah, sure. Just one second. Okay. Okay, this is the invite. Okay. So if you, those of you who can see my screen, um, you can see here, this is the logo of the Gaudiya Mutt that Bhakti Sinanta arranged. This is the second iteration of the Gaudiya logo. Um, the first iteration is a little bit, the picture is a little bit more crude. You can see here, this is the first version of the Gaudiya logo. Um, it, it almost looks like a child drew the pictures of Radha Krishna and so forth. Uh, but we're going to go back. This is the second one, more clear. Srila uh, Prabhupada, A.C. Bhakti, and I'm Swami Prabhupada, uh, put this Gaudiya logo on the gates of uh, my Purchandra Dayan Mandir. All right, so I'm not sure. Can you see my, my cursor on my screen also, or no? Yes, we can see your cursor. Could you collapse your uh, dashboard? It's kind of blocking things. Like that? No, it's a Chevron. But anyway, that's okay. Oh. Yeah. Okay, there we go. All right, so in the middle of this uh, logo, we see it. Actually, I might be able, I might have the, uh, no, well, let me bring up another 
document. I can find it quickly. No, I'm not going to be able to. Okay, I'm just going to have to do this mostly from memory then because I can't read Bengali. So with the top you have Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. He is the king. And then over here you have the Bhagavatam and over here you have uh, the Archana Padati. The rules for deity worship. Here you have Lakshmi Narayan. And here you have Vaidhi. Going down here, counterclockwise from Lord Chaitanya at the top. So you have the Archana Padati, you have Lakshmi Narayan, you have Vaidhi. Then over here, going again down, you have the word Archana, a bell and incense. Then going from Lord Chaitanya's left, going clockwise, you have the Bhagavatam, Radha Krishna, Raga. And then you have the word Kirtan. And this is a picture of a Murdunga and of the printing press. And then at the bottom, it says Sri Guru and Goranga. In the center, it says Om Nam. And if I can remember all of these, I know it's Sri. There's Sri Vidya, Vairagya, Virya. Um, I don't remember the other ones that are around in the star. So what uh, what Bhakti Sarasvati is showing by this logo is that the path of Vidhi Marg is in the Archana of the deity and the path of Raghamarg is in Kirtan. And in Kirtan he included the Bhagavatam and the printing press and all of which are achieved by the chanting of the holy name and the grace of Guru and Goranga. So Srila Bhakti Sarasvati's understanding of how we would access the Raghamarg was primarily through Shravanam, Kirtanam, Vishnu, Smadanam. So this was, of course, we find A.C. Bhaktivinoda Swami Prabhupada also taught the same process. And this is the process taught by Raghunath Das Goswami. Now it has to be done not only externally, but it has to be done also internally. One has to be humble. The basis for this working as Ragmarg is Trinadapi Sunitinatura Iva Sahishnina. Amanina, Manadeda, Kirtanya, Siddhahari. Without that verse, uh, it doesn't. It, it's not going to be effective. But with that verse, as Raghunath Das Goswami starts out in his first verse of Manashiksha, Dambam Hitva, give up pride. So when one gives up pride, then hearing of the Bhagavatam, engaging in Kirtan, uh, printing books, printing books, so reading books, printing books, hearing and chanting, hearing the books, chanting books, hearing the name, chanting the name, with humility, with humility, will take one internally through the process of Raghamard as given by Raghunath Das Goswami. And of course, Raghunath Das Goswami was the intimate uh, associate and student of Swagodamadar, Goswami and the intimate student of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and it was Raghunath Das Goswami who gives us the bulk of the information for Chaitanya Charitamrita. So if Bhakti Siddhanta Sarasvati is following Raghunath Das Goswami's path of Raghunuga Bhakti, then there's no question as to whether or not he's actually teaching the path of Raghunuga. And uh, I... I feel myself, having looked into this only as licking the outside of the jar of honey, certainly uh, as, a, as an observer from a distance, that Bhaktisiddhanta Sarasvati and his disciple uh, Srila Prabhupada, and we could also say B.R. Uh, Maharaj, indeed also, were, were very wise in propounding Raghunath Das Goswami's path of Ragmar and in 
scaring us away from Dhanachandra Goswami's path. I, I, w- I would say that um, most of the, most, not all, <laughs> not all, but most of the followers of uh, in Bhakti Santa Saraswati's line are, are scared of touching Dhanachandra Goswami's path. We might note that Bhakti Santa Saraswati's brother, Lali Prasad, he was a follower of Dhanachandra Goswami's path, which is a bona fide path, which is why Srila Prabhupada told us, don't get involved in this. He said it will look material to you, but it's a spiritual disagreement. And of all the, I mean, I'm talking about this because this is what I'm working on right now, but I, I, I would venture to say that of all of the gifts we got from Bhakti Siddhanta Sarasvati, uh, this one is one of the most amazing because it's making the highest, most esoteric, most secret, most amazing gem. Raghunath Dasko Swami talks about love of God uh, at least twice in his book as a jewel, receiving a jewel of the love of Radha and Krishna. And, and this very valuable and amazing and rare jewel is, you know, that people would, they couldn't even understand that it exists. And Bhakti Siddhanta uh, is making it available to the world. Bhakti Siddhanta wanted this philosophy taught outside of India. He established 64 months in India, but he had his disciples go to London and Germany to preach. And he wanted, as Bhaktivinoda Thakur said, when will people from all the countries of the world join in Mayapur and saying Jai Satchinandana, Jai Satchinandana. So Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati did this, and one of the ways he did this, and, and I don't think we should underestimate this, brush it aside, minimize it, not look at it, is he was teaching absolutely the highest possible thing. Highest possible thing. Be with Radha and Krishna in Vraj. In a way that anybody could start to take up. Anybody, anybody, anybody. That could not be perverted. I mean, look, you can pervert all the external stuff and you can mix bhakti and have karma measure bhakti and gyan measure bhakti and yoga measure bhakti it's going on in the, in the followers of bhakti siddhanta yeah undoubtedly and it's quite pervasively going on but you know what I don't see how you can mess with the path of Raghunath Das how are you going to do it it's not messable with it's not pervertible you can hide it <laughs> you can you can obscure it but you can't pervert it so he's taking something that regardless of culture, regardless of background, regardless of anything why you can't, because it's internal it's not a set of rituals, it's not a it's, it's an internal cleansing it's, a, it's, it's based on revelation and mercy and introspection and just intense honesty and humility. How do you twist that? You can't. You can't. Raghunathaswa Swami is dealing with all the ways we twist things and saying untwist it, look at it, get rid of it, beg for mercy. And if we chant properly and we read books, print books properly, do Harinam with the little Murdanga, printing books with the big Murdanga, then it will happen, and it does happen. Among the followers of Bhakti Siddhanta, so many are achieving the ultimate goal of life and seeing the lotus foot of the Lord in his Tribhanga feature with his 
toes illuminated by the nails of his lotus feet. Shiva Bhakti Sananta Sarasvati Ki Jai. Shiva AC Bhakti Vedanta Swami Maharaj Ki Jai. 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 Jai.